Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of the Lost in the Shuffle Tap Dance Podcast, brought to you by itaponline.com. My name is Hilary Marie, I am your host, and I'm here to support you in your tap dance journey by sharing with you my top tap dance tips and tricks so that you can be the best tap dancer or best tap teacher or, for today, best tap choreographer that you can be. Now, if you are a longtime listener, welcome back, my friend. If you have not done so already, I'm going to kindly ask you to leave the podcast a five-star rating and a written review. This will help other passionate tap dancers and tap teachers just like you gain access to this free and awesome tap dance content. If you are a new listener then welcome. Be sure to subscribe so that you can get notified every time a new episode goes live. And last week's episode was my 100th episode here at the Lost in the Shuffle Tap Dance podcast, and it was all about the tap dance dreams of tap dancers all around the world. In this week's episode, we're diving deep into choreography that is made specifically for portable tap floors. While choreographing on a portable tap floor specifically became a focus for a lot of teachers when the pandemic hit, it's something that's been around for a really long time. Tap dancers need quality wood floors, and oftentimes when you go to a performance, they don't have a proper sprung wood floor, or maybe they do, and they don't actually want you to dance on it because they don't want you to mess it up. So whether you're choreographing for yourself or for your students to perform outdoors or indoors at a convention that only has Marley available, or in a theater on a concert dance stage where they won't allow you to dance on the floor, then these tips and tricks that I'm going to share with you today will help you turn the portable floor into a tool of inspiration rather than a source of frustration that puts a dampener on your creativity. And with that being said, I'm going to share with you my five tips for choreographing on a portable tap floor. Tip number one, you can change formations. Many people feel that portable floors mean that they are stuck on an island and unable to have formation changes. But very rarely is that the case. If you are doing an outdoor performance on concrete or in the grass, then sure, you're not going to have formation changes. However, if you are on a stage of any type or on a marley floor of sorts, then you do have the ability to change formations. You're not stuck on an island and the floor is not lava. You can have your dancers step off and change formations for a new shape. Now, maybe they're not going to be flat ball changing their way to those spots, but they could easily take a pedestrian with a purpose type of walk. They could use body percussion along the way. They could use so many other types of movement that are not specifically focused in flap heels that travel across the floor. Now, one thing that I highly recommend when choreographing a piece on portable floors for a larger group of dancers, this could maybe be more than five dancers. I recommend that you have more floors than dancers. So for example, if you have 15 dancers, you might be thinking three rows of five. But what if you had three rows of seven floors instead? 21 total floors available for 15 dancers. What additional shapes would that allow you to make? 
You could have diagonals, small Vs. You'll have more facility if you have more floors available to you. And then you won't feel stuck to the front-facing shape of five dancers in each row. Now, this has come up a couple of times in ITAP Q&A chats with ITAP members. ITAP members will ask me, are my students going to lose points at competition for not having enough formation changes because we're on portable floors? Will I be penalized for bringing in a portable floor and the limitations that it proposes? And to that I say, it is my genuine hope that someone who is judging that competition would not penalize you for your choreography on portable floors with minimal formation changes, though, as I said before, you can change formation easily, just not necessarily with the standard fillet ball change. And the judge should be able to recognize that there is a specific reason as to why you are dancing on portable floors. Now, to date, I've personally never heard of a judge taking points off for tap dancers using portable floors. I wouldn't doubt that it's happened before, but if so, I'm going to assume it's pretty rare. And if for some reason that does happen to you, then you can go ahead and share your frustration with the competition itself. And that's something that I talk more about how to share feedback like that in episode 27, back in season one, titled, Are Dance Competitions Broken? But overall, I've spoken to friends of mine who judge competitions, and they have all said that it, they would never ever penalize someone for pulling in a portable tap floor, especially knowing that portable floors are a great solution for the lack of proper flooring that is provided for tap dancers at dance conventions and competitions more often than not. Tip number two, change your facings. You don't have to play everything to the front. Play around with diagonal facings, upstage facings. You could create some really beautiful shapes with that and movement that is just as powerful as a formation change. If you decide that you don't want to have extra tap floors for formation changes, for example, then who says you have to have eight kids on eight floors in two lines of four? Maybe it's eight floors that go downstage left to upstage right in a diagonal, and you play with that. And maybe your piece is about the flow of water and how it trickles this way or that way and it flows. Or maybe you preset in a V, four and four, and everyone has a partner that they turn to face across the stage, and the piece is about the energy of yin and yang. Overall, you don't have to have the floors set in lines, in windows, playing facing front the entire time. You can change your facings and it can be very powerful. Tip number three, use your cannons. Cannons are a beautiful musical and visual tool available to you to offer a layer of depth and intricacy to your choreography. You can make your cannon musical and visual and have it carry from stage left to stage right or upstage to downstage, and it'll give more depth to the moments where you feel stuck in one place. Tip number four, use your counterpoint. Counterpoint is another beautiful choreography tool for percussive dancers that is not limited to space. Portable floors provide no hindrance on your ability to choreograph a beautiful piece of counterpoint. Now real quick, and this is very important, 
I want to point out that counterpoint is not necessarily the same thing as polyrhythm. I see a lot of tap teachers and tap dancers who misuse the word polyrhythm and mistaken counterpoint to be the same thing as polyrhythm. Polyrhythms can be a form of counterpoint, but not all counterpoint is polyrhythmic. Just because tap dancers are doing different choreography simultaneously does not mean it is polyrhythm. I see these terms getting mixed up quite often, and ITAP members can check out my lesson on polyrhythm versus counterpoint in the Rhythm Training for Tap Dancers course that is available in the ITAP Online Member Center. That lesson will give you a solid definition of counterpoint and polyrhythm, the differences between the two, and some visual examples. Counterpoint is a choreography tool to be embraced on or off of a portable floor, but it's definitely an extra awesome tool to pull out of your bag if you are feeling stuck on a portable floor. Tip number five, and this one is often overlooked and forgotten, but tip number five is practice on the floor. If your students are performing on portable floors, have them bring their floors to rehearsal, and not just one week before the performance. If you are choreographing a piece that you know is going to be performed on a portable floor for the entirety of your season, that portable floor needs to be in the room during the creative process. It's going to help you understand what your piece is going to look like as you're creating it, but it's also going to help your students get comfortable with dancing in that limited space. If you feel limited creating choreography on a portable floor, imagine how your students feel performing it on that floor. You want them to treat that floor like a prop that is an extension of their body, something that they are so comfortable with that when they step on that floor, they no longer feel inhibited, and they're certainly not looking down, afraid of stepping off that floor. They know how far they can go, and they know how to bring the piece to life in the space that has been provided to them. So give your students the confidence and comfort that they need to own their stage on a two foot by three foot piece of wood by ensuring that they're putting in the practice time on that floor in studio during their rehearsals. While those are my five tips for choreographing on a portable tap dance floor, I've got one bonus well, it's not really a tip. It's more of a question that regularly comes up from ITAP members in ITAP Q&A chats. And they ask me, they say, hey, Hillary, that sounds nice, but who's paying for all these tap floors? My studio won't give me a budget to buy all of my students a fast foot floor. And I'm not going to go ahead and spend my own money. And I'm struggling to even get a grant for it. So here's my answer. It is in my company contract for future StepTap company members that they must have their own portable floor for at-home practice and performances that require portable floors. It does not have to be a fast foot floor or an Omara floor. It can be a piece of plywood from Home Depot. I do not bear the financial responsibility of providing floors for these dancers, and I also do not require them all to be uniform. To be honest, I just don't care about uniformity like that. They can wear whatever tap shoes they want. They can wear their hair however they want. I don't care if their tap floor is hot pink. If a hot pink tap floor brings them joy, so be it. Now, I know I'm a little bit more lenient on this than most people in terms of uniformity, but I love embracing individuality. 
In terms of the floor, as long as they have it and they're using it at home to practice and they're able to carry it to performances on their own without my assistance or the assistance of their parents, for example, then that's what counts. Now, if cost is of concern to your students, there is so much scrap wood available. When I lived in New York City, wood was everywhere on the street, and there were so many times that we would be told that there was a floor provided at the jazz club and there wasn't, and we would just have to walk around the block until we found a piece of plywood. Now, of course, as I grew older, I learned better, and I understood the importance of having my own proper portable floors, and that even if they say there's a floor, I will always bring my own floor anyway. But all that to say, Students can provide their own floors, and I allow DIY floors as a low-cost option. You could even have a tap floor decorating party. And if you prefer uniformity, then let everyone decorate the bottom half of their floor. Let them paint it and put their name on it, and that could be a really fun and cool activity for them. But if cost is of a concern for your students and they don't have the ability to obtain a fast foot or an Omera floor, then they could go to Home Depot, get a sheet of plywood, and if that is out of financial reach for them, again, there is a lot of scrap wood that can easily be found near construction sites, near restaurant dumpsters. There is so much wood out there that I promise you, once you open your eyes and start looking for it, you'll end up seeing it. So again, my students provide their own floors. So there it is, my top tips for choreographing on portable tap floors. Tip number one, a reminder that you can change formations. Tip number two, a reminder to change your facings. Tip number three, use your cannons. Tip number four, embrace counterpoint. And tip number five, be sure to have your students practice on the floor during rehearsal. And don't forget to bring that floor in while you're creating the piece as well. That is it for this week's episode. Make sure to join me in next week's episode where I'll be talking about tap dance levels. Beginner, intermediate, advanced beginner. What do these words really mean? Until then, I'm wishing you all the best, and I'm looking forward to sharing shuffles with you super soon in the ITAP Online Member Center. Hey, hey, real quick. If you want more free tap dance tips and tricks, go to itaponlinecommunity.com to join our free ITAP Online Community Facebook group. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at itaponline and follow me on Instagram at Hillary Marie Tap. H-I-L-L-A-R-Y-M-A-R-I-E-T-A-P. Now, if you're ready to achieve your tap dance goals, whatever those may be, and you want access to my best tap dance content, then head over to itaponline.com slash trial for two free weeks of unlimited access to everything that the ITAP Online Member Center has to offer. That is two free weeks of live Zoom classes, Q&A chats, Zoom class replays, all of my courses, which include Tap Dance 101, Historical Choreo, Improve Your Improv, Fast Feet and Phrasing, Rhythm Training for Tap Dancers, and more, and direct access to me for mentorship, guidance, and feedback. Be sure to go to itaponline.com slash trial for two free weeks of unlimited access to the ITAP Online Member Center, and you'll have instant access to my best tap dance tips and tricks.